Good morning. It is Wednesday, November the 1st, in the year of our Lord 2023. It's All Saints Day. Wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I'm J.D. Walt, and this is your wake-up call. Let's begin the day with consecration. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. Jesus, we belong to you. And we're praying in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's entry is entitled, When Jesus Intervenes and When He Does Not. Our text is Acts chapter 12, verses 10 to 15. Hear now the word of the Lord. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, It must be his angel. The word of the Lord. Now consider this. The disorientation in this scene is palpable. Apparently no one seemed prepared for the prayers for Peter's deliverance to be answered. It makes sense, though, doesn't it? Days before, they were praying their guts out for James and the others being held by King Herod to no avail. Still, they desperately pleaded for the deliverance of Peter. And what do you know? Peter shows up at the door of the house where they were praying. Look at their response upon hearing Peter was at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. We will save this matter for another day. Let's tackle the bigger question today. So why does God spare Peter and not James? It's impossible to know. It's really pointless to ask. The best approach is to take the long view and trust God. God works out his purposes. But is this 
promoting a type of fatalism? So why pray? If God will do what God will do, does prayer even matter? There are at least three reasons to pray. Number one, Jesus taught us to always pray and never give up. See Luke 18. Number two, to pray for another person is to love them. Remember, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. See 1 Corinthians 13. The prayer may not be answered as hoped, but love never fails. And number three. Don't forget, we are in a war. We are in a pitched battle with the rogue powers of sin, death, Satan, and evil. Add to that the basic laws of motion, gravity, and physics. A battlefield is a place of extreme chaos. Add to it the presence of many human beings acting with free will who have many conflicting agendas for good and bad. Said human beings, like it or not, often act negligently, recklessly, and even maliciously, which both directly and indirectly affects other human beings with all kinds of impacts and outcomes. Unfortunate, hard, bad, and tragic things are going to happen. Could God prevent every unfortunate, hard, bad, and tragic thing from happening? Of course God could do that. This is not the world we inhabit, nor the time we live in. There are two names for that world and time, Eden and Eschaton. In Eden, before the fall, human beings lived in perfect peace with the living God. In the eschaton, which is the end of all things broken and the fulfillment of all things made new, we will live in the new creation with no more tears, no more darkness, and no more evil. For the moment, we live in a fallen and corrupted creation in the time between Eden and Eschaton. We live on a battlefield. It is simply unreasonable to expect God to intervene in every single situation and resolve it to our expectations. What we don't realize is the overwhelming number of times God does intervene. The truth the most significant intervention of God happened on the cross when he crushed sin and defeated death. The other thing we have a scant idea of is how the prayers of God's people figure into the extraordinary interventions of God. Prayer is the offense, the secret weapon, and the movement of divine love on the battlefield. Of the earth to be continued. The prayer for transformation. Lord Jesus, 
I am your witness. I receive your righteousness and release my sinfulness. I receive your wholeness and release my brokenness. I receive your fullness and release my emptiness. I receive your peace and release my anxiety. I receive your joy and release my despair. I receive your healing and release my sickness. I receive your love and release my selfishness. Come, Holy Spirit, transform my heart, mind, soul, and strength so that my consecration becomes your demonstration that our lives become your sanctuary. For the glory of God our Father. Amen. And the question, how do you account for the way God intervenes to save Peter in this situation and not James? Does the battlefield framework help you at all? And for our hymn today, we're going to sing, We'll Understand It Better By and By, hymn number 370 in our Seedbed Hymnal, Our Great Redeemer's Praise. I've never sang this hymn before. This is not the hymn, The Sweet By and By. That's a different hymn. This is called, We'll Understand It Better By and By. And so I don't know the hymn and I'm just barely learning the hymn tune. So you're going to have to bear with me today. Number 370. But it just seemed too good to not sing. We'll understand it better by and by. Okay, here we go. We are often tossed and driven on the restless sea of time. Somber skies and howling tempests oft succeed a bright sunshine. In that land of perfect day, when the mists have rolled away, we will understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes. When the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story of how we've overcome, for we'll understand it better by and by. We are often destitute of the, of the things that life demands, want of food and want of shelter, thirsty hills and barren lands. We are trusting in the Lord, and according to God's word, we will understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story of how we've overcome, for we'll understand it better by and by. Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand 
All the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land. But he guides us with his eye and we'll follow till we die. For we'll understand it better by and by. By and by when the morning comes. When the saints of God are gathered home. We'll tell the story of how we've overcome, for we'll understand it better by and by. Temptations, hidden snares often take us unawares, and our hearts are made to bleed for a thoughtless word or deed. And we wonder why the test when we try to do our best but we'll understand it better by and by. By and by when the morning comes, when the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story of how we've overcome, for we'll understand it better by and by, by and by. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Guys, we kind of suffered our way through that one together, didn't we? That was new for me, and I suspect it was probably new for a number of you too. But was it on point? Exactly on point. We're often tossed and driven on the restless sea of time. Somber skies and howling tempests oft succeed a bright sunshine. In that land of perfect day when the mists have rolled away. Yeah. Trials dark on every hand and we cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land, but he guides us with his eye and we'll follow till we die. I don't know about you, but I've reached that point. We'll follow till we die. We're all in, guys. We have come too far to turn back now. All Saints Day, it's a day to remember the great cloud of witnesses, the communion of saints. They are in the presence, the unadulterated, unfettered, unfoggy presence of Almighty God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. They're gathered around the throne. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They're saying, worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor and power and strength. They're saying salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. They're also looking back over the balcony at us. And they're cheering us on. They're willing us forward. They're closer than we think. As we know, heaven is not somewhere over the rainbow. It's just through the thin veil of the reality that we see. 
I love how he says in 2 Corinthians, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. (laughs) That's good, isn't it? So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is passing away, but what is unseen is eternal. I want us to think about our loved ones who've gone before us, and even now who are going before us, and they're waiting for us, you know. They're waiting for us, but we got work to do. We're on the battlefield below. We're in what uh, would be called the church militant. And you got to understand militant, of course, in the right way. You don't know, we don't understand it in a jihad kind of way. We understand it in the war of love, the war of peace, where we suffer our way in love to victory, where we win by losing at times, where God gets us where he wants us, no matter the machinations. You know, let's remember those apostles. Those 12 apostles, we ought to ring 12 bells today. All of them died martyrs' deaths, best we know. And it looks like James was the first put to the sword by Herod in this chapter 12. We've been working our way through this week. And then, of course, Peter's set free, but, you know, ultimately Peter is nailed to a cross And he said, as though that weren't enough, he said, how about turn me upside down? I'm not worthy to be, (laughs) I'm not worthy to be right side up like my Lord. Turn me upside down. That's our tradition. That's who we're following. Whatever we're going through today, let's just remember that our light and momentary troubles hard as they may seem, are achieving for us an eternal glory. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is passing away, but what is unseen is eternal. Right? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let the church say amen. We got to hit the field today, guys. We're still in the church below, the church militant, the church sowing, the church rowing. Get your seeds, get at your oar, and I'll see you on the field. For The Awakening, I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend. Leave us a rating and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall.